Well, let's turn to Psalm number 72, and we're thinking this morning uh, on verse 6 in particular. We had two weeks in July of blazing sunshine, glorious sunshine, and we were crying out for water, we were crying out for rain, and... uh, I thought it was an opportune time to preach on this verse uh, when I came back from, from holidays uh, in July and uh, we had just had um, the rain had come and we enjoyed it. Uh, of course, now as I come to preach the sermon in Letterkenny, uh, it's been raining for two weeks and uh, we're asking for sunshine again. But have you ever stopped to wonder about rain and how amazing it is? I remember coming across an article by John Piper And they've been thinking of a verse in uh, Job, in Job chapter 5, where one of the characters in the book of Job says, God performs wonders that cannot be fathomed, miracles that cannot be counted. He provides rain for the earth and sends water on the countryside. And Piper asks the question, if you had said, God performs wonders that cannot be fathomed. And somebody said, name one, would you have said rain? I think those of us uh, living in Ireland here would say, no, we wouldn't have picked that one. But remember the people the Bible was written to and initially were living in the Middle East. A very different scenario. And Piper imagines a Middle Eastern farmer. And he is got wells to get water for his family, but the drainage ditches have run dry for him and his community. And he says, where am I going to get water from? And you say to him, oh, my God will send it. Where will he send it from? The sea. Ah, but the sea's 300 miles away, the farmer says. How's he going to get it here? Oh, he's going to to lift it up and and carry it along and and drop it down on the land. How? How's it going to get up? Stop for a moment and think, and Piper does the calculations uh, for how much water is needed to have an inch of rain on a square mile of land. It's 2.3 million cubic feet of water. Or if you want that in gallons, it's 14.5 million gallons of water. Or if you want it in weight, it's 66,000 tons of water. That fall. And the farmer says, How on earth is all that weight of water going to get up into the air? How's that going to happen? And, well, how does it happen? Well, God has designed that the sun, which is 93 million miles away, that the heat of it is such, not too little, not too great, that the water evaporates and rises into the atmosphere and that the atmospheric pressure is such that it doesn't escape out into the outer atmosphere but that it collects again in these bundles of water vapor that we call clouds. And then how does it, how does it fall? The farmer says, well, it starts to coalesce around little particles of dust. That's what the theory is. And he says, hold on, the farmer says, we've got a problem. The sea's salty. And that's going to kill all my crops and it's no use to my animals. Ah, but God has designed it in such a way that the whole process takes the water and leaves the salt. 
and purifies the water in the process. And as it starts to fall from that great height, as the little particles of water join together, they form blobs of water, which as they get bigger, they meet air resistance and they fall and they slow down as they fall so that they don't pummel the crops to pieces. And we start to begin to understand the wonder of rain and how God has designed it. It's amazing stuff. Think about it. If we, if, if we had just salt water, it would kill us. And okay, we've got rivers and springs and streams and that's okay for us. But how? How do we water the lands? Well, we could redirect the streams, but God has designed this system where water is taken and the salt removed and it's distributed over the land. What an incredible thing. And given that water is so amazing, or so essential for life, um, I wonder how does the evolutionist explain, explain it? It's astonishing that we who need water to live and plants need water to live and have such an abundance of it in a form that is hostile to life that there happens to be a system that makes it makes it so that it sustains life rather than kills it what an accidental fluke what a staggering statistical anomaly or maybe it is as Job's friend Eliphaz said one of God's wonders And it's seen in the Bible as a blessing from God, rain is. But so much so is it seen as a blessing from God that it is a picture of the great blessing that God sends, the Lord Jesus Christ. And that's what we've got in our text today, Psalm 72 and verse 6. He will be like rain falling on a mown field, like showers watering the earth. David is writing this psalm about Solomon, but also about the greater king who is to come. The king who will be greater than Solomon, because although Solomon brought peace and prosperity, he brought um, shalom, an absence of conflict, and more than that, everything was, was just right for God's people under Solomon's reign. But, David says, There's going to be a king who will do all that and more because it will be all over the world and it will be all over eternity. It will be greater in extent and greater in duration. And he says that king, that king who will do this, he will be like the rain. And that's what we want to think about this morning. Two things. The first we'll spend most of our time on and then the second, just a very brief uh, application at the end. First of all, Christ as rain. Christ as rain. As rain. Rain does at least three things. Rain gives life, uh, rain refreshes, and rain fruitifies. It, it, it produces fruit. And we want to think about Christ in those terms uh, this morning. First of all, Christ gives life. I remember seeing a picture of the Atacama Desert in South America. Uh, and it's famous for this because. When it rains there, which it seldom does, within hours, the whole of the floor of the desert is awash with a riot of color as flowers burst into life. It was a desert hours beforehand. The rain comes and now there's life. 
And that's the imagery of this psalm, like rain falling on a mown field. There is the, the grassy field. It had been lush and green. And then the, the grass had been cut and, and made into hay and left to dry. And now it's been taken off the field and put into barns so that it can feed the cattle uh, throughout uh, the, the dry months or the winter. And then what happens to the field? It's stubble. And the ba- blazing sun of the Middle East starts to bake it hard. And not just the, the soil hard. And to remove the moisture from the soil. But the very roots of the grass are exposed. And they're vulnerable. That's when that field is at its most vulnerable. And it needs rain to come. So there will be life. So that hard-baked, barren, lifeless field will spring into life. And you know, it's a great illustration of our souls. They are baked and they are hardened and they are lifeless. Spiritually lifeless. And even as the, if the seed of the gospel is thrown over our lives, it can bounce off the hardness of our hearts. Our, the soil of our hearts needs to be softened. Christ needs to reign, as it were, on our hearts, so that they're softened, so that our lives are no longer lifeless, but we have spiritual life and vitality. And that's what every single human being needs. Perhaps you this morning, you feel the barrenness of your own soul and the barrenness of your own life. You think there's got to be more to life than just this. And maybe the pressures and trials of life are, are sapping the energy from you. And you can feel yourself drying up. What do you need to do? If you haven't put your trust in Christ. Here, here's what Hosea says. He says, come, let us return to the Lord. Hosea chapter 6, verse 1. Come, let us return to the Lord. And then he says this, as surely as the sun rises, he will appear. He will come to us like the winter rains, like the spring rains that water the earth. Let us return to the Lord, he says. He's writing at a time when Israel had departed from God. The people of God had no time for God. He says, let us return. And what will you find? That life-giving rain falling on your soul. So this morning, perhaps if you're here and you haven't yet put your trust in Christ or you're joining us online, that's what you need to do. It's to come and to ask Christ to to water your soul, to give life to your soul, to take this barren, lifeless hard-baked soul of mine and say, Lord, will you soften it so that your word can take root so that I can have life? You know, it's not enough to know facts. We've got to... Those facts have got to burst into life. And we need to come and put our trust in Jesus. And even to do that, we need to say to him, water my soul, Lord. Be this living water. And it's something that we can pray for our nation. Is it not Ireland, although it is green from top to bottom? I saw an aerial photograph from my friend flying in from Afghanistan. He took a photograph out the window of the airplane and said, Look, look at Ireland. And it's green from top to bottom. And yet, if you see it with spiritual eyes, it's parched from top to bottom. 
It's barren and lifeless. And we say, Lord Jesus, come and reign on our land so that there is as much spiritual life as there is greenness of our fields. Christ enlivens. Secondly, Christ refreshes. Christ refreshes. Oh, we've all been there. At least I hope we've all been there. Or maybe it's just me that when it rains and it's been really sunny, you want to go out and stand in the rain a bit and enjoy it. I know after two weeks of it you don't want to do that anymore, but those first days, and you, you, you smell the ground, the soil, the grass, the trees, the flowers. There's this freshness, this aroma coming from them. All their scents are being released, even the tarmac, you can smell it. There's a refreshing that rain brings. And there are many reasons our souls need refreshed. Even if you're a Christian this morning, you may feel your own soul dried up. Sin dries us up. David, uh, the psalmist, uh, says in Psalm 32, he says, Your hand, or day and night, your hand was heavy upon me. My strength was sapped as in the heat of summer. David had fallen into sin and his sin had dried him up spiritually. Or trial saps our spiritual refreshment. It might be temptation. It might be persecution. It might be conflict. It may be the pressures of life. And it's one thing after another and we feel our souls becoming dry and weary like David said in Psalm 63. My soul thirsts for you. My flesh longs for you as in a dry and weary and waterless land. And the world around us dries us up. Just as all that's going on and all that's happening, we can feel get really discouraged by all that's going on around us. And it just becomes wearying. Or sometimes we're drinking salt water. We're trying to refresh ourselves by the things that the world says, here, this makes life seem full of life and sparkle. And we get sucked into their advertising and their reasoning and we find that actually as we've gone for these things, it's like drinking salt water. It wets our tongue for a while, but only makes us thirstier and thirstier, and it can never satisfy, and it can never quench. And even the Christian can, can start drinking the salt water of the world's resources, as it were, the world's offerings for what might quench our thirst, and it doesn't do it. And our souls need refreshed with living, pure water. Or sometimes it's just that the Christian can be going through a dry season. The psalmist speaks of sending rain in season. And there are dry seasons in the Middle East. The dry season. And maybe as a Christian you felt yourself going through the dry season. In Psalm 143, David says, I spread out my hands to you. I thirst for you like a parched land. And we need to know the signs when our souls need refreshed. We need to know the signs when uh, we've become functional, unlimited water rations, so to speak. And what do we do? What do we do? What's the Christian 
to do at that point? Well, we're to cry out. David spreads out his hands to God. Psalm 143. I cry out to God, he says. In Zechariah 10 verse 1, we've got this wonderful verse. Ask the Lord for rain in the springtime. It is the Lord who sends the thunderstorms. He gives showers of rain to all people and plants of the field to everyone. And Zechariah is not just thinking about physical rain. He's thinking about this life-giving, refreshing that Christ brings. And that's what we're to do. We're to cry out for rain. We're to cry out for Christ to refresh us. And then we're to go to the places where Christ refreshes us. It's kind of like the opposite of what I've done the last few days. I've got the app out on my phone. Rain today, it's called. And you see this huge, great radar picture with with the rain cloud coming. And as we were driving home there the other day and we had the car to unpack and it was torrential rain over Barnsmoor Gap, I'm looking at the cloud and as we pull into Letterkenny, it's the lightest of rain and I see that the cloud is coming, racing behind us. I said to the children, we pull up in the driveway, get out of the car, get the boot unpacked quickly because the rain's coming. You know, is it only me that does that? But imagine it was sort of the other way around and we were in the Middle East and you had this app and you're looking, there's rain. There's rain over there. Well, you can't lift your fields and take them over to where the rain is. But if you're parched, you can go and be where the rain is and take your bucket and be where the rain is and you can stand under it and be refreshed by it. And so here we are to go to the places where Christ rains as it were he refreshes his people through his word and scripture over and over again makes this wonderful connection in Isaiah 55 we read in fact I think Stephen read it last week uh, come all you who are thirsty come to the waters but how does that go on that chapter as the rain and the snow come down from heaven and do not return to it without watering the earth and making it bud and flourish, so that yield seed for the sower and bread for the eater, so is my word. As the rain and the snow come down from heaven and don't return without watering, so is my word, God says. So is my word. And see, that's what we need. So go cry out for Christ to refresh your soul and then go to Christ's word and be in the places where Christ's word is proclaimed. We have our morning service, our evening service, the Bible study will be starting back up. Why are those there? Because we live in a desert and we need our souls rained on through Christ's word being proclaimed. Be in the places where it rains and take out your Bible yourself and read it and ask Christ to refresh you and look to see Christ as you read the Bible. Look to see more of Jesus because it is Jesus who is like the rain who refreshes. There's lots of interesting things in the Bible that will fill us with questions and even give us answers to questions and explain the world around us and all sorts of things. But those will not always refresh our soul. But Christ will. Weary soul. Do you find your soul shriveled like a raisin? Well, go and ask Christ to revitalize and to refresh you. 
And then the third thing that the rain does and that Christ does, Christ fruitifies or Christ produces fruit. Christ produces fruit. We read from Isaiah 55, as the rain and the snow come down from heaven and do not return to it without watering the earth and making it bud and flourish. So so that yield seed for the sower and bread for the so is my word that goes out from my mouth. It does not return to me empty, but will accomplish what I desire and achieve the purpose which I have for it. There were three periods of rain uh, in the Middle East that the psalmist is thinking of. And there's the, the early rains that come just as the fields need to be sown, they soften up the ground. And then there's the winter rains that keep the crop moist and enable it to grow throughout the winter. And then there's the late rains or the, the spring rains. And they come and they cause the, the grain or the fruit to swell and to ripen and to mature and to flourish. And that's what the psalmist is saying here. That that's And that's what Isaiah is saying. That Christ as rain not just refreshes our souls but produces fruit in our lives. Not only gives life to us but produces fruit in our lives. And we see it in the next line. He will be like rain, like showers watering the earth. The righteous will flourish in his days. Here's this picture of Christ as rain producing fruit in the lives of his people. We want to grow. We we can be dissatisfied with the people that we are. How is it that we change? Do we just have to reach deep within ourselves and change? No. The seed of God's word taken in, watered by Christ, causes it to grow. And the seed of the word grows into the fruit of the Spirit, love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and faithfulness and gentleness and self-control. And we're transformed and we're changed as Christ comes to us as the rain. We bear fruit and the seed of the Word is transformed into the fruit of the Spirit. What encouragement there is for us and that's why we need We need Christ to refresh us and to enliven us so that we are transformed. Christ as rain. How thankful we should be that as we live in a world where there's a a drought and our souls are thirsty, that there is one to refresh, before refresh, even to enliven our souls. And as we look out at the rain, Plenty of opportunity for this in Ireland. As we look out at the rain, we see it raining, and we want to say, why does it have to rain today? Stop for a moment and give thanks for Christ, who is like the rain, who enlivens and refreshes and produces fruit. Are you needing refreshed? We'll be in places where Christ reigns on his people. Seek Christ, the water of life, if you are thirsting for life itself. Seek Christ, the water of life. Let me ask you, what's your fruitfulness like? You're growing in Christ's likeness. You're growing as a Christian. Well, that can't happen 
if we're staying distant from Christ and from Christ's people and from Christ's word as we draw near to him through his people, through his word, through his church, we will find ourselves growing in Christ-likeness. Christ as reign. And then I want to finish briefly with a second point. It's really just an application or a conclusion, but having thought of Christ as reign, I want us to think secondly and briefly of us as reign. Us as reign. There's a lovely verse in Ezekiel 34. There are many challenging verses in Ezekiel 34, but there's a lovely verse, verse 25 and 26. I will make with them a covenant of peace, God says. And I will make them and the places all around my hill a blessing. And I will send down the showers in their season. They shall be showers of blessing. That's the English Standard Version's way of translating the verse. And some, the, the Hebrew, when you look at it, who does the they refer to? Is it the, the showers of rain will be a blessing? Well, that's just to say, anybody in the Middle East knows a shower of rain is a blessing. That's to repeat himself. But that's not the point. Throughout this section, the word they has referred to the people of God. I will send down the showers in their season. They shall be showers of blessing, refers to the people of God becoming a blessing to the people around them. As Christ is like rain, so too his people are like rain. They bring life and refreshing and fruitfulness. It's as if Christians are like a little microclimate, a little wandering cloud in a desert that rains on people who are parched and dying. And in a world of drought, Christ says, you are my rain clouds. You bring life. Through you, life will come. Through you, refreshing will come. Through you, fruitfulness will come in the lives of other people. What a, what a wonderful privilege it is to be a Christian. And not just to receive blessing from Jesus Christ, but to be a means of that refreshing and that life-giving and that fruitfulness coming to the lives of others. You know, yes, the imagery of being a, your own rain cloud and a rain cloud for your, the people around you isn't so helpful in Ireland. But go to a desert. Go to a sun-baked place. And think of the shade and the coolness and the refreshing and the life-giving that that would be. And Christ says, my people will be showers of blessing. And how is it that that happens? It happens as we display Christ's refreshing character, as we display what Christ is like in a world of self-centeredness, in a world of um, people who are looking out for number one and where all sorts of activities are going on, Christ's people are to be noticeably different and noticeably Christ-like. And as we display Christ's refreshing character 
we will refresh those around us. But more than that, as we hold out Christ's life-giving, refreshing word to people, we will be like the rain to them. I was talking to a man this week, and he was really quite, not really quite, but very discouraged by the state of affairs in the world around us. And Afghanistan was, as it were, almost a straw that broke the camel's back for him. And he said to me, well, I'm an atheist, but he says, do you have any hope? I said, yes. In what I believe, I believe in a Savior who will come back and who will make everything new and who will deal with all of the brokenness and all of the injustice. I can have hope. And so, here's how we can hold out the, the word that is refreshing and hold out uh, a word that gives life to those around us. As we live being shaped into the likeness of Christ and displaying his refreshing character, and as we hold out his refreshing and life-giving word, and through his people, he will be like rain falling on mown fields, like showers watering the earth. Amen. If you're able, let's stand as we come to God in prayer. Father in heaven, we live in a desert that we can't see. We are spiritually dry and parched and we don't notice this for so long. We, be, we become used to living this way. And yet, Lord, were we to go on in that way, we would find ourselves on the brink of death, an eternal death. And, O oh Lord God, how thankful we are for the one who described himself as living water and that those who would come to him would never again thirst And we thank you for the Lord Jesus Christ. We thank you for how he's described here as like rain that waters the earth. Rain that brings life, that refreshes and that causes fruit to grow. And we thank you, Lord, that we whose souls are parched. And not just parched before we come to Christ, but even continuously dried out by the the heat of this world that we can find refreshing from Jesus. Lord, I pray for each of us this morning, whether we need life from Christ or refreshment from Christ or we need to grow in fruitfulness through Christ, Lord, we pray that we would know what it is for Christ to be reigning his life-giving reign on us so that we will have life and that we will flourish. Father, We thank you, we thank you for the Lord Jesus Christ and we pray that through him we would then bring this life-giving water to those around us. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.